Hey Print Hustlers, Bruce from Printavo, Simple Shop Management Software. Today we've got a very special guest, Brett Bowden from Printed Threads, founder of Printed Threads, CEO of Printed Threads. Thanks for joining us. Hey, it's good to see you. <laughs> awesome. Brett, just give us a little bit of background for people who haven't heard of your company. Just a synopsis where you're at, what your company's about. Yeah, so Printed Threads started in 2010 in Fort Worth, Texas. We uh, are a mainly a screen printing shop, started in my garage, but we grew fairly quickly. And uh, today we have a 15,000 square foot shop with four automatic presses and about 25 employees. And we serve, uh, kind of out, started out serving the music market. So a lot of rock bands, music festivals, that type of thing. And then we've kind of spread out our focus a little bit to where we uh, do a lot for restaurants and breweries and all, all kinds of people. We, we play in a very fun and creative market. Awesome. What made you start in a garage? Was it just printing for yourself at first? or Actually, so I started screen printing in 2000. Uh, right around the year 2000, I started a little merch company because I played in you know punk rock bands growing up. And we were always making shirts. And so being the kind of young entrepreneur-minded person that I was, I was like, I want to figure out how to make shirts for myself, and maybe we can print shirts for other bands too. So started doing that at first, just brokering our mouths, and then I think about 2001, I bought a press, put it in a garage in my friend's garage, and we would print T-shirts. Um, at the time, I had moved out to California, and I was living with a buddy that owned a record label called the Militia Group, which. Mm -hmm bunch of punk bands uh, were, were on at the time, some bands like Rufio and uh, the band that I played in for a little while was on the, on the label. So we were just printing shirts for all those guys. Eventually, I was in a band that was you know traveling all the time, so I could no longer make shirts myself. So I sold everything off to one of my friends. And then uh, I guess, you know, dude, that whole touring thing for five or six years. Wait, would you remember what press you had b before that you sold off to him? Yeah, there was this brand called Micro Perfect. It was the Micro Perfect Rebel, and it was a really cool little press. I don't think they're in business any any longer, but uh, yeah, I love that little press. Bought it in, um, I think they were like based out of Rancho Cucamonga or something like that in oh, California. Okay. Yeah, so we were printing and having a good time, and uh, but you know, I was gone all the time. And so I had to uh, basically sell the business to my buddy. And uh, so he kind of took it over. He actually did a lot of really cool things in screen printing, including being R&D for a huge ink manufacturer. And he's moved on now, works for uh, the people that we're all scared of at a company called Amazon. So <laughs> he had a great print, uh, has had a great print career. I uh, kind of realized being in that rock band that we weren't going to be in the Rolling Stones or anything. So I decided I needed to go back to college, get a degree. So I did that. I went back to college. I got a degree in music while I was getting that degree. I was actually working as a cable guy, uh, which was a very, um, great experience. And <laughs> for and, Comcast and, or like a local network in tech or no, this was, where was it? This was in, this was in Colorado. So, um, okay. it was Comcast. I would go install people's cable and this was kind of right around like, 2005, 2006, when everybody was kind of getting HD TVs, you know? So oh, like, the plasmas. and yeah, yeah, so you'd go into someone's house and they just bought this like $2,000 yeah. and they're so stoked about it. But then they realized that like no TV networks were broadcasting in HD yet. So they right. just had like a really crappy signal being broadcast on their super fancy TV. And yeah. those, those times. <laughs> now no one has like – no one has a regular standard definition TV anymore. They're like 
impossible to find. No, but, and plus the price is like been cut by seventy five percent. Yeah, it's amazing. So, yeah, I was, I was doing that. I graduated from college in two thousand nine and decided that I wanted to be a teacher. And so went out looking for a teaching job and got music, my teaching a music teacher. Or? Uh, actually, like music or math. I really wanted to be a math teacher. Okay. <laughs> oddly enough, and then uh, there just weren't any jobs in 2009. You know, we were in the middle of a recession. All the schools were on hiring freezes because they did they couldn't afford uh, their budgets. Mm-hmm. And I'm left, you know, being working for a cable company, thinking I don't like this. What am I going to do? thought to myself, you know what? I know how to screen print. So I went home, talked to my wife, said, hey, I've got this crazy idea. Let's let's uh, buy a press, put it in our garage, you know, and, and we did it. And next thing you know, I'm working all day and printing t-shirts all night. And that kind of was when my dad came to me and said, Brett, if, if you're printing t-shirts all night, imagine what you could be doing if you were if you were working full time selling t-shirts. And so that's uh, where Printed Threads really was born in 2010 in, in that garage on Red Velvet Road in Keller, Texas. <laughs> Wait, when was the move back? That was when you were looking for work? Yeah, okay. so right 2009, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And Printing Garage, what, what press did you have then? We, I got, uh, just found a used M&R Chameleon, just got connected. You know, my buddy that I talked about earlier that bought my company, his name was Kevin. Uh, he was very friendly to help me kind of get restarted and connected me with a bunch of people. In fact, he was the guy that told me at this trade show, uh, he's like, you got to go meet Nick Wood at Ryanette because Nick Wood is really into BMX, which is something that we were all into growing up, you know, you know, sometimes you go to the trade show and you make up like, I didn't even have a company yet. Right. So I just made up a fake name. I put crew Jones, which is the star of the movie rad. (laughs) And uh, it's funny because whenever Nick Wood saw it, he got all excited because he's a BMXer. So I like gave him my crew Jones badge and he reminds me yearly that he still has that badge. That's awesome. <laughs> so Holy it just connected me with all these people in the, in the industry, and it kind of gave me a, a leg up, I guess, because I like you know I was meeting all these vendors, I was learning all this information, and being educated about uh, new ink technologies. That's, that's when water-based was becoming really popular, but no one really knew how to print it. So we just dove right in and started learning as much as we could. Interesting. So it almost sounds like going to that trade show or just any trade show really early on just really helped open your eyes a lot. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're surrounded by peers. And, you know, I'm an extrovert, right? I love meeting new people. I love talking to people. I mean, we've we've been at bars together late at night. And, you know, I just love talking to people. It's it's what energizes me. And so I can imagine if I was more of an introvert that that would not sound fun at all. But uh, yeah, I've always had a good time going to trade shows. It's amazing what you can learn from someone in five minutes, you know, and uh, I just love learning. And so I think trade shows are an amazing experience to learn more and more about your industry. For sure. Yeah, that's a really good point. I I mean, I remember when we were printing, I had no idea what ISS, MBN, anything was. It was just like, literally, don't burn the shirts and (laughs) get the artwork approved and keep moving forward. But that's awesome. That's actually a really good tip for people, especially because I believe ISS is just free if you just put in a company's name as the code. So very cool. It's free. You know, you might have to pay for your travel or whatever. And I think that's people let that be like, uh, oh, man, I don't want to spend the money on a hotel or flying or whatever. But, you know, I went to college, right? I spent who knows how much money or how college costs at this point, you know, like. Sure. And like I went to college and I took all these classes and they have nothing to do with what I do now. So for me to spend $500 to go like gain a whole bunch of knowledge on what I do every day as a job, I think is a great investment. 
Right. Yeah, 100%. So actually, tell me about that process of going full time. You talk about it like, oh, it's just a cable guy, but it's still more of a solid paycheck. You know what, you know, you know what to do tomorrow, you know what's going on today and you know where your paycheck's coming from. Yeah, man, it's, it's certainly it's super scary, right? You know, you have to figure out like, okay, how what is the plan? How are we going to live? And at the time I had two kids. I have three kids now, but I have two kids. Luckily, my wife was working and she had a good job, and so we kind of just sat together and said, hey, do we believe in this, right? You have to have buy-in from both people uh, because if she didn't believe in it and I did, certainly we'd have some sort of conflicts there. But right. um, uh, she believed in it and I believed in it. She committed. She said, I'm going to go to work and make money for us and you do the best you can to build the company. And at some point, you know, it'll be great for both of us. So we did, um, we said, okay, we're uh, buy-in. I'm leaving my job. Uh, you're going to provide money for us. You make X amount a year. I think that we can live off of it. So Sarah did all the couponing. So she would cut out coupons and make sure that we bought our groceries really cheap. We would do Chick-fil-A does this thing where they open up a new store. The first hundred people to line up and camp out overnight, get free Chick-fil-A for a year. So we did uh, five or six of those. Oh and my so gosh. We ever ate out. The only time we ever ate out for dinner, we went to Chick-fil-A. Holy cow. That's a print hustler mentality. <laughs> totally. And so I kid you not, it took me a really long time to be able to eat Chick-fil-A again after that <laughs> experience because it reminds it just reminds me of like the struggle, you know? Right. No, I mean, we, we just were committed, you know? And at some points, I think uh, I didn't take a paycheck from printed threads for two years. And so I think about two and a half years in, I started taking a paycheck. Mm -hmm. And at that time, when I was able to take that paycheck, it was about the amount of money that my wife was making at her job. Mm -hmm. And we just sat down. We'd actually just had our third child. And we sat down. We were talking about child care. What are we going to do? It was the day before she was going back to work after having our third child. And I just looked at her and I said, don't go to work. We Wait, was, she, was she a teacher too? She was a registered nurse. Oh, okay, okay. So I guess she is a registered nurse. But uh, I looked at her. I was like, don't go to work. We know what the struggle is like. We know that we can do it. And all it's going to do is take away from our ability to like love on our kids more because we're going to be dropping them off somewhere all the time. And so I was like, dude, let's just let's just be poor and have an awesome family, you know. And yeah. so we committed to doing that. And and obviously, you know, Printed Threads has grown and grown, and I'm able to take care of my family a whole lot better now than I used to be able to. But uh, yeah, that was kind of the process of like, I'm going to quit my job. You're going to support me. We're going to get to the point where we can flip-flop and I can support you. Here we are, you know, eight, eight years later. It's a pretty remarkable situation. I want to go back to that because this was – my actual whole topic around this was mindset and what you're thinking and going through. I think a lot of other shop owners have all these different stories and background, but people relate in different ways, <clears throat> which is exciting. But, you know, when your wife was about to go back to work, you had a third kid – and you guys were having this discussion, was the thought process, okay, hey, we can work on this company together? Or was it like, you know, it was very important to be there for your family more so? Like, what were you thinking about the pros and cons there a little bit more? 
Well, I think the big deal was the family. You know, at the time I had a three-year-old daughter and a five-year-old son. So five-year-old son is basically, that's kindergarten, right? So she wanted to homeschool and she'd always had a passion for homeschooling. And this is a lot to juggle, you know, and just the time trying to take kids to daycare and the amount of money that we're going to spend on daycare. That doesn't really make sense. And then, yeah, like we can now work work together on some things, you know, Sarah's always been my sounding board, you know, she's like the rational thinker and I'm the dreamer. <laughs> sure. And so I'm always saying, yeah, we could do this or we could do that. And she's like, okay, well, I don't think that's a good idea, but that, that sounds like a really good idea, you know? So, and so we've worked together uh, like that still, we still do that. I come home and I have an idea or she has an idea and we like, you know, try to, try to uh, make them come together. She has never been like uh Obviously, she's not like a printer or anything, but she's always kind of been like a helpful, um, a really supportive person, you know, to me. We've played with the, the idea of her coming to work in the company over the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's a much different monster now than it was when it was just in our garage. She's got a lot going on and I've got a lot going on. And sometimes it's sometimes I feel like it's better if I can like not have to do. I bring home work with me anyway, but it. If both of us were bringing work home with us, maybe it would be more stressful. So I don't know. Got it. Like hard to separate work versus your personal life. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so let's see. One day maybe it will work out. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. That's interesting. It's interesting to think about. I mean, so many print shops are family started. The dynamics make it interesting, especially with kids and wives and, and others as they grow. Talk to me about the move from garage to actual location. That's a serious step, right? That's that's like I feel like people celebrate that one. Maybe like the first auto, first million dollars. Like the, those are some big steps. What were you thinking about, or what what prompted you to move? Yeah, so um, my dad is a businessman. He, you know, he's retired now, but he's been president or CEO or you know some high tier executive management person for a long time and uh, right about the time that I decided to kind of take the leap he, he certainly kind of helped initiate it he was basically saying you know you should do this I believe in you or whatever and, and so he actually kind of came alongside me and invested a little bit of his money into the company and we were partners for a short while and so he was kind of the one that helped like say hey let's go get a building you know, he kind of helped with that, that big vision at first. So we went and looked at a bunch of buildings and I was kind of being a little bit conservative, like, hey, there's this thousand square foot building here and it costs this much. And he found this much bigger 2,500 square foot building down the street and it was a pretty good deal. And he's basically saying, hey, you know, what happens when you grow? You know, if you're in that thousand square foot facility, like it's going to be really hard. You're going to have to move. move again. Yeah, and so we really lucked out. The the building that we ended up in is this twenty five hundred square foot building. But even as we were able to grow, we were just able to knock down walls in our existing building and just grow into the space of the entire building because we just had one out of four suites in okay. the building. Was it like? Did you guys lease it or? Yeah, it's always been a lease. So yeah, like he really helped out with that kind of like, you know, get a space like, listen, if your business is really going to operate as a business, you need to be out of the house, you need to be able to receive, you know, truck shipments, you need to, you know, you're thinking about this kind of big picture stuff. If, if your business is going to be successful, then run it like a real business, you sure. know? <laughs> 
so that was kind of like that that big push, you know, and we kind of operated as a, as a partnership for about a year. But my vision for the company and, and the branding and everything that we were doing was just a little bit different from his. And so at some point we decided like, hey, I'm just going to take it. I'll pay you back uh, your investment and everything. And I'm just going to kind of take it on my own. Got it. His mindset seemed very beneficial, especially early on to you to say, think a little bit bigger and plan for this a little bit longer term. Is there anything else that you remember that was really interesting about his guidance that helped you steer you on the right path? You know, Ryan, Ryan Moore and I joke about this all the time because like when you first start your business, you're just thinking, okay, I just need to make a little bit of money and then pay for the stuff that I bought and then I'll have money, right? Sure, sure. And, you know, but the, the bigger picture there is like, let's look at a P&L sheet, you know, let's look at, let's look at all the business statistics and all that stuff. And so my dad being, you know, president and CEO and all that of, of giant companies knew that, you know, and so he was always looking at, okay, put together this budget, put together your performa, you know, let's look at your P&L and, and let's plan, you know, and so that, that really helped out. Uh, otherwise, I don't think I would have known what a P&L was, you know, without his kind of business guidance. And so those things were super important. You know, like I said, I'm a little bit of a dreamer. I'm like hopelessly optimistic, you know, like whenever something goes wrong, I'm, I'm usually like, it'll be okay. We'll, we'll figure out the plan, you know. You know, I, I certainly have my conservative side, which is this like, yeah, kind of let's draw back to reality. Like if this whole business fails, what's next? And so I'm always thinking about that kind of stuff. But having someone to kind of ground you in the facts of business and how a business operates, which is something that he was able to do, was was super valuable. Got it. Very cool. There's a good book that I was going through called Traction, which actually kind of mentioned when you were talking about where there's kind of two people in that business, which is one is the dreamer and, and kind of pointing the vision and, and where the boat should go. And the other one is at home executing and is more on the operational side to keep things grounded, like you say, which is hit a bell when you when you mentioned that it's the exact same thing that they were yeah. talking about. Well, and fast forward to now, you know, like a few years ago, well, for years I've been taking business leadership classes and we have this group of people that gets together once a month that are all in different businesses. And for years they were saying, Brett, you got to get an operations manager. Like, you know, you need that for your business. And, and so it's, it's been two and a half years, I guess. I hired a guy. He's our VP of operations. His name's Ryan. Mm -hmm. And he's that guy. He's the rational person that's like, I come in after, you know, I'm gone a lot. So I come in after a trip and I'm like, why does this look like that? And why is, you know, and he's bringing me back to practicality. He's like, Brett, we were really busy while you were gone. Or like, you know, he's actually uh, has a degree in mathematics too. So he's like a very functional, like, Hey, four plus four always has to equal eight, you know? And I'm like, well, sometimes it equals nine, right? You know, uh -huh. he's, he's like, no, never, never does four plus four equal nine. And so, uh, you know, he kind of draws me back to reality. So that's kind of the person that kind of pulled in that role. And I think that's really important. There's always a yin and a yang, you know? Sure. That's awesome. And one thing we were just talking about yesterday was also extreme optimism, which seems to be a commonality across shop owners, right? It doesn't make sense to open a screen printing shop. It doesn't make sense to keep doing it and they go full time. Like it, it's against odds per se, right? But that extreme optimism just keeps driving things forward, which is really cool to see. Really quick, before I get off on a tangent though, you mentioned business owner group that was very helpful monthly. Is that a local thing or is that part of the local government or how did you find that? So the one that I'm a part of is a small local thing called XM Performance, but there's something like this everywhere. There's one called Vistage, which, you know, Ryan Moore is a, a member of. It's a little bit more expensive and maybe for higher level. There's one called uh, 
entrepreneurs organization or a lot of people call it EO. I think there's, you know, each, each one of these has some limitations as far as who's allowed to be involved in it. Mm-hmm. I can't remember ex- exactly with EO. You have to either have a $1 million or $2 million business in order to be able to be a part of the group. Sure. But I think if you looked up business leadership or anything like that in your area, you could probably find some sort of organization to be involved in. It's usually not cheap. They really want you to commit financially and physically. So like it's a big deal if you miss, right? They want full um, participation. So if I'm traveling, which we are meeting next week, while well, we'll be at SGIA, unfortunately. So I'll be, you know, I'll be on the conference call in, you know, because it's very important when one person in that organization or one person in your group is dealing with a big problem, they want to have everybody's input. And while we all run different businesses, like I'm running a screen printing business. There's a law office in there. There's a giant construction company in there. There's a big health care organization in this class. You know, we all do very different things, but we all deliver a product or a service and we all have customers and we all have employees. Sure. And so while we're delivering a much different product, uh, we are still dealing with the same uh, situations. Interesting. That sounds super helpful. Actually, something I want to look into as well. So moved into the first facility, super excited. You know, you're planning and you're busting down walls to be able to grow there. I'm assuming that you bought another press at that point or soon after. Yeah, as soon as we moved into the space, we bought an automatic press. And so we had one manual press and one automatic press mm-hmm. and then i think six months after that we bought another automatic press wow and so i had a friend tell me about buying an automatic press he's like you know listen like you're going to go buy an automatic press because you need to be able to get your work done a little bit faster but as soon as you have more capacity more people are going to come to you too so there might have been these orders that people called in and said hey can i have 500 shirts tomorrow that before you wouldn't have been able to produce but now you'll be able to have the capacity to produce it i mean that's awesome that definitely happened to us and we just kept we grew very fast like You've had Justin Lawrence on your Yeah, from Oklahoma Shirt Company. So we did not grow as fast as him, and I I doubt any screen printing company will ever again. (laughs) That is not like DC. I mean, that is just complete insanity. But we grew from zero to $2.5 million in four years, which not many companies grow that fast and that aren't funded, right? So we're pulling everything together by our bootstraps. You know, when I heard Justin's story, I was like, really felt bad about myself. But, you know, but then I remember, (laughs) oh, he's like a cosmic like something else you know like it's a different different world for him yeah that's awesome i mean in that growth when you bought the first few presses or at least first two did you pay cash or did you take out a loan for them or yeah so from the very beginning you know i i didn't i was maybe 29 still paying off school loans like really didn't have a lot of money we started our family really early you know and so we were always just kind of like we had saved some money right like but just not enough to like really invest into a company sure and so we we went to the bank and got a ten thousand dollar loan in the very beginning so that helped us pay for our initial setup and then uh, whenever we bought our automatic press I believe leased that you know and so we've always kind of financed stuff which you know is bitter when, at the very end of it when you know your five years of financing is up and you look at how much interest you paid you're like oh my gosh but, <laughs> you know, that sucks but you know it's maybe just the cost of doing business and as we grow the hope is you know you pay off stuff and then you have several years in between when you pay off something and when you need to buy the next one so that you can save that money and pay cash for the next one. Sure. Is that the goal or do you think you'll still use, I mean, cause the interest rate, right, is 
allowing you to use capital elsewhere, right? So it's like the yeah. cost of, well, yeah, it's the cost of you borrowing the money to be able to technically have better cash flow. But you say to be able to save more, it, I guess I should back up. Is there plans to have another press in the near future? Well, to your last point, like, yeah, if you spend all your cash, you don't have any cash anymore. And cash flow is what does cripple businesses. Any growing business, when they when that cash flow ball stops spinning, uh, it chokes them out and they go out of business. But for us, um, if we just bought another embroidery machine, you know, because that embroidery has been expanding a lot for us. I don't know. Um, it just depends on how efficient we can be. We, we definitely look at a lot of things. A lot of our expenditures are based on, can we get more done without more people if we buy this machine? If you buy a direct to screen, you can get, you know, you can get way more screens done in a day than you would if you had film. We bought automatic reclaim, which gets re you know, screens cleaned a lot faster and also takes away the part where they have to spray chemicals in their face, which is not good. If we buy another automatic press and we have to pay a loan on that press, you know, maybe that loan amount is a thousand dollars a month. But if it can eliminate the need for one more person, you know, a person making 10 bucks an hour, that's after taxes and benefits and all that stuff is about 2,500 bucks a month for us. Mm -hmm. And so uh, automatic press is a lot cheaper, you know? So sure. I would rather keep it a nice tight knit group of people and then have this a million people working here. We've tried to make those decisions based on staffing versus equipment. Um, but yeah, it's a delicate balance. You know, one thing that you can do if, if business gets really slow is you can lay off a person, which we hate doing, but you cannot just stop paying for a press for two months, you know, so, you know, you have that balance too. And so it's hard to figure out what the proper thing to do is, but we definitely try to look at the ROI of everything and see if having this piece of equipment is having this loan cheaper than having another person. Gotcha. Fast forward to today though, where are you guys at company wise today? Um, presses, if you can disclose revenue ish, you talked about people just about 25. Yeah. So we have four presses, four automatic presses, and then we have one of those little Aspie rapid tags. Mm -hmm. So I like to say we have four and a quarter presses, you know, at every trade show, this is how we, this is how screen printers size each other up. They're like, how many presses you have? Right, you know? right. I got four and a quarter. What about you? You know, and then uh, we've got eleven heads of embroidery now. We have uh, some digit. We do some digital printing, like banners and stuff. Okay. And okay. then um, yeah, it's about twenty five people. We have a fulfillment work side of the warehouse as well. So we do some pick, pack, and pull for uh, our pick, pack, and ship for people. And then uh, we do about three and a half million in revenue. Okay. What do you feel like is your mindset around more growth? Right? Because it. A lot of business owners is always focused on how do we grow more and more and more each year. But there's an interesting thought process around not doing that, like like kind of questioning that, that method and just focusing more on just profitability. And like you said, having a really great team. What do you think about that? Where are you steering printed threads in that realm? So what I want to do is have the most amount of revenue as we can without busting out of the walls that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. And so... That's kind of like daily, we're figuring that out better and better each day. I actually had a conversation with somebody, uh, there's a guy in our industry named Greg Kitson that a lot of you guys sure. probably know. We were sitting down talking the other day and he was saying how kind of being in that like two to three million range is, is a hard place for print shops. He's seen a lot of businesses go out of business that sit in that range. 
And I asked him, like, what is the benchmark, you know, <laughs> because like one million dollars is a great place for a print shop to be. That is a super safe place. Um, you can operate with a fairly small staff and you don't have to worry about a whole lot. I think that we probably need to be more like four and a half right around there to be like in the, our, our really safe spot, because that would be us being able to be as efficient as we can be in our current location uh, without having to buy more presses and, and all that stuff. What happens to a lot of companies is they, they keep growing their sales numbers and as they grow their sales numbers, they have to buy more presses and, and they keep growing and growing and growing and then they get to a point where they're so big that like they have to feed that monster. And so when you talk to someone that has 8, 10, 12, 16 presses, like a lot of times, you know, you can ask them that question, do, do you ever wish you were smaller? And sometimes like they're like, yeah, man, I, I wish we would have stayed at four presses or I wish we would have stayed at two presses or, or whatever that is. So that's always really insightful. For us, I think the ability to grow at this point has a lot to do with our branding and market placement. But also, uh, you know, we're living in this world where everybody is terrified of Amazon, right? And so uh, how do we beat Amazon? You know, that well, if we have really great customer service and and we can deliver like a good conversation to our customers. Well, that's one way to beat them, you know. Like mm -hmm. there, you go to return something on Amazon, you click a button, you know. If you want to return something on Amazon, it's been 31 days. There's no button, and there's no one to talk to, right? Mm -hmm. So there's for you know companies that are not going to be a massive internet uh, store, like being able to deliver fantastic customer service, to be at events, to be around people. I've listened to a lot of those. How I built this podcast. Yeah, yeah, got a rouse and yeah, with yeah. So um, it's funny because my kids like quote it now all the time because they're <laughs> in the back of the car listening. You know, there was gosh, I can't remember who said it, um, but he was saying, you know, if, if you want great opportunities, get off your couch. You know, just go be places. And you know, if you're at a bar, if you're at a restaurant, if you're out in the general public where hundreds and thousands of people are walking around. Your opportunity to meet someone that's going to help you grow your business is a whole lot greater than just sitting on your couch, right? Sure. And uh, and so that's opportunity, you know. Like I can't tell you how many customers that we've we've gained because I was sitting at a bar one night talking with some friends, and one of their friends was there, and we got to talking about what we do, and suddenly they're the marketing director for some giant restaurant chain, and I'm a screen printer, and we can now we can you know become friends and be their delivery source of, of t-shirts, you know, sure. like. We can sit here and stare at our computer screens all night long trying to figure out how to make the sales numbers grow. But if you're not out there and active and engaging with people and like delivering a smile, that's a huge one, by the way. Like when people come take a tour of the print shop and they see people smiling, that's like, oh, wow, this looks like a good place, you know, to work or a good place to do business with because like they're not whipping their employees or whatever. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I like that focusing on delivering a smile, being out there and creating opportunities. That's a amazing podcast as well. I also try to listen to as many as possible of them. I guess I'm curious too, uh, as far as two to three million tough spot you're talking about. So is that just because the managing cash flow at that size is hard, or is is it the balance of people having to scale with? all the kind of different assets you've got going on, right? Like if you're real renting, you've got the payments on the presses, you've got everything else going on that increases or, or why is it a difficult uh, zone? 
You know, this is probably something that we could tag team in Mark Cudre or somebody to talk about, like, because they've probably physically seen it a lot more. You know, I haven't really gone and studied the P&Ls of a bunch of different print shops our size or anything. But what I do know is growing is extremely expensive, right? So when you're going and doubling the size of your shop, you've got to buy more presses. Now you've got more payments. You've got more people and you've got to buy more shirts. And then and suddenly, you know, when that cash flow ball stops, if you don't get from two and a half million to three and a half million to four or whatever, when that cash flow ball stops rolling, then like, oh, my gosh, I've got all these bills to pay and I don't have the money to pay it. Mm-hmm. And so that's probably kind of the big concern there. You also have to consider like we're going to have a certain amount of attrition, right? So like we're going to have a clothing line that we print for for several years that's really big and then suddenly they're not fashionable anymore. They're not on trend or something and they go away. And that might have been like 20% of your business and now you have to replace 20% of your business or or you piss off a client and they leave or or whatever happens, like how do we replace, you know, it's a lot easier to replace $10,000 a year in business than it is to replace $500,000 a year in business. That could be a part of it too. I've heard it said, uh, oh, there's a really good saying, something like uh, big clients build egos, small clients paid bills. You know, and that's true because we you get these big clients, right? And you're all excited because you're a bigger company and you have the capacity to do it. But, you know, your margin on these giant clients is really skinny. You know, what happens when they pay their bills at 90 days instead of 30 days? Sure. Well, they, they can do it because they can strong arm you because they're a giant company. But do you have the amount of money to pay the interest on that 90 day bill? Probably not, you know, right. but especially when that bill's a hundred thousand bucks, right? Right. <laughs> That's crazy. Is that a personal story too, or uh, not necessarily? But we, you know, that's <laughs> something that we see a lot. You know, those those bigger companies, they you give them net thirty terms and they pay in sixty days. It's pretty regular, and and that's it's hard, you know, because you think about it, you might have net thirty with your t shirt company, you know, whoever your distributor is, but you have to buy the t shirts before you print them, and you don't invoice the customer until they ship. Right. And so a lot of times you, you, your net 30 with that t-shirt has started seven days before the shirt shifts, sure. then so the shirt floating shifts it. At 30 days and then they pay it 15, 20 days late. Well, now you're at 60 days and you were supposed to pay that net 30 bill, you know, 30 days ago. Like, where do you get that money? You right. know, especially uh, most net 30 clients, what do they do? They order a whole lot of t-shirts, you know? So you're sitting on these twenty, fifty thousand dollars invoices, hoping that they'll pay, you know, and then they pay late. Right. Yeah, I've also heard the story of they go bankrupt too, which is more yeah, unfortunate. Absolutely. That's scary. <laughs> yeah, that's super scary. I want to shift gears quickly because you mentioned something interesting too, where people walk around the shop and they've got smiles on their face working in the on the production floor in the front office. Your mindset around team and just creating a good culture. What do you think about, especially when you talk about you had a unique vision, especially early on that didn't quite correlate with your dads who is your partner then too has that changed and and just what is it so early on you know we had a really crappy logo i didn't like it and i had met a guy that does branding for a living and we had become friends we sat down we're talking and i was like what would it look like to do a branding project you know and he's like well you you know we got to do a bunch of research figure out what you like what really represents your personality well and you know the time and the the work entailed there is probably about a two to ten thousand dollar project you know and i was like oh my gosh like i don't have that much money you know it's a lot early on screen printer that doesn't even pay himself right so i walked away from that comment with a little bit of sticker shock but i just thought about it more and more like what what does your brand represent you know like how much is the nike swoosh worth right the deal is like it took two seconds to draw the nike swoosh right Mm -hmm. but 
that how much is that brand worth now? I think that brand is worth like twenty six billion dollars or something like that. Mm -hmm. So like, how much is the Nike swoosh worth? It's worth a lot. And so this is like the face of your company. You know, you're you're birthing a child. You know, by the way, children aren't cheap to have. <laughs> and so. Uh, and so you're birthing this child, you know, and you, you want it to look good. You want your baby to be pretty, you know. Right. So you hire a professional to come in, ask you questions about who you are, your personality. Like, what do you like? What are your interests? What kind of customers do you want to serve, you know? They ask all those questions, and then they can go take that back to the drawing board and sketch up a bunch of things and come back to you and present you with, this is this is who you are now. And uh, so that's what happened. We came came back to the drawing to drawing board with five different sketches and different logos. And he pulled out the one that was ours. And I was like, that one speaks to me. I love that. You know, I, I love that aesthetic. And, uh, and then he pulled out a little mascot, which we have, his name is Petey. And, uh, cause that's the actually the initials of our company. And so it's a little guy with a squeegee head and he's kind of got that look from the fifties, like you, the, the gas station mascot or what, you know, whatever you might attribute that to. And that really represented our brand because if you look at the printed threads logo, it's very serious and artistic. Right. But then you look at PD our mascot and he, he has a smile on his face and he's like cute and fun. Right. So, and that really represented our brand really well because I want to work hard and I want to be serious and I want to deliver the best product that we possibly can, but I want to have fun while we're doing it, right? Because if we're not having fun, like, what's the point of owning your own business? Like, no one sits down and says, hey, man, you know what? I'm going to start another business so that I can just be miserable, right? Right, <laughs> like, right. The whole goal is, you know, for me was I want to go have fun with my friends and, and enjoy the people that I work with and enjoy the work that I do and enjoy the customers that I'm around. And so that's what we did. And so now, like, we look around the room and you look around and say, like, wow, it's so cool when it's lunch break and, like, 10 people leave together and they go eat lunch together. You know, it's like, wow, we've created this thing where, like, people enjoy coming to work because they're excited to be with each other. You know, that's awesome because if they want to be with each other and they want to hang out together, they're also going to help each other out. So that day when we're super, super busy and one press operator is you know, printing 5,000 shirts, the other press operators, when they free up, they're going to go over and help too. They're going to grab ink buckets. So they're going to do whatever they can to help each other out. And that's really important. And like seeing people smile, even when they're stressful, like our production manager, she's smiling all the time, right? That's so important. It makes you feel good, right? It makes everyone around her feel good. And then, you know, taking your brand and, and making it something that all of those people that work here are proud of is amazing. We take t-shirts for granted at this point because we print so many t-shirts every day. But when you see everybody on the weekend or whatever walk out like wearing a printed thread shirt or a printed threads hoodie, what does that say? It says they're proud of the company that they work for. They want to like they want to wear that printed threads brand in front of all their friends and everything. And that man, that feels really good. But you can't do that unless you have a cool brand, right? Like no For one's sure. going to wear like some cheesy, crappy, I mean, some people wear, but like you see, <laughs> like you'll, you'll see like, you know, some logo just in a really bad font or whatever. And like, people aren't just going to wear that everywhere. Like we've had experiences recently where, you know, there's, there's a really big band called Manchester Orchestra and uh, they just put out a documentary about making their new record. One of my buddies sent me the link to their documentary and he says, Hey, look at it at the 17 minute mark. And the drummer of the band turns around with a hat on it's a printed thread hat you know or That's like awesome. you know mxpx put a new uh, music video out for a single called let's ride earlier this year and I, i'm watching the video and you know the singer in my career is wearing a printed threads hoodie and it's like 
wait, you know, we have not only created a brand that our employees are proud of, we have created a brand that like rock stars are willing to wear in their music videos. And that's a pretty cool statement. That's awesome. So going back to the beginning, did you end up using him to help you create that brand then? Oh, absolutely. So this is what I did. I said, listen, man, I don't have $2,000 and I certainly don't have $10,000. But what I can do for you is I have $700 cash in my bank account. I'll give you that $700 and then I'll give you $1,000 credit to use over the next year to make t-shirts, right? What do designers like to do? They love designing t-shirts. They love printing t-shirts and selling t-shirts, right? And so that was a really cool way to work it out. And I kind of was like, dude, I can't like just go make that $1,000 with the t-shirts for you tomorrow, but maybe you can order like 100 at a time each month or something like that. That really helped me out and it helped him out. And it ended up being a really cool relationship. We're still very close friends. We do a lot of work with each other. You know, we it's funny because we have a creative director here and a lot of times they'll compete with each other <laughs> over logos and stuff. Sure. So actually, uh, you know, ThreadX, which is a conference that I'm involved with for SGIA, like my this guy, the same guy that did our branding, did the SGIA uh, ThreadX branding, um, and our designers were competing over it. And uh, it's just kind of a fun relationship. And we did a lot with the brand, right? That's what a branding guy wants to see is you doing a ton of putting a lot of effort into the brand, getting the brand out there. Because if you're in the DFW area, you've probably seen printed threads somewhere at an event or something else we've got our van wrapped we, you know we have the brand everywhere if you can utilize the brand really well well that makes him look really good too so a lot of the restaurants that we work with or whoever says hey who did your branding we love that and then maybe they use him to do their branding as well that's awesome who, who what's his name his name is paul sermon okay. and uh, he has a an agency called buzz bomb creative got it awesome very cool yeah love this stuff what about the mascot that's very interesting you don't see that a whole lot either was it just like you liked it right then or was there like hey it'd be cool to have this to put on instead of the logo in different places he actually presented it uh, at the same time he was like hey i just drew this too what do you think and at the time when he was kind of doing his research, you know, asking me the questions, what do you like? What do you want to represent? I, was, I kind of went back to this, like, I really like that, you know, 50s, 60s era where like cars were made out of steel, mm. you know, this, this where everything was overbuilt and beyond good quality, you know, all this, all those things. And so he really took that. And so when he made our logo, and he was drawing it up and he was thinking about the 50s, you know, like old labels. He drew up that logo and then he it just came into his mind that, you know what, in that, that period of time, a lot of companies had mascots. And so mm-hmm. he, he drew up that little mascot and it just was like, perfect. Oh, this totally fits our personality. It's fun. You know, um, it makes, you know, we put him on the side of all our boxes and everything. And I feel like it makes us a little bit more presentable or, or approachable, you sure. know, because we can be a really serious company, but you see like our little bit of fun and funniness and then you're, you feel like, oh man, these guys are fun and they're approachable. And we take that, that kind of fun part and we deliver it through our entire process. So like, you know, whenever you get our box on the side, it says another swell product from printed threads and, and you open it up and, you know, we've tried to pack all the shirts very beautifully inside the box, but you always get a gift, you know, whether it's playing cards or one of my favorite ones that we've done in the last couple of years is a balsa wood airplanes, you know, and you see like a grown man put together this balsa wood airplane and start playing with it, you know, and it's like, oh man, we've just injected a little bit of fun into that guy's day, you know, and I think that that's really cool. 
That's awesome. So you talked about putting the brand everywhere and I had the opportunity to actually walk around your shop when we were at ISS Fort Worth. The brand literally is everywhere in the shop as well. You can't find a mug or a, you know, a wall without a sticker or something on it. What's your thought process around that? Is it just like, hey, this would be cool to have, this would be cool to have? Or is it like, you know, is it part of the culture or, you know, what, what are you thinking about? Well, certainly part of the culture. One thing that we do every year is we give every one of our people a hoodie with a different design has a different design every year printed threads design and what happens is you'll see all of us go to lunch right and everywhere everybody's wearing a black hoodie almost everybody wears black pants too here which is mm -hmm. funny so everybody's wearing black pants and a black hoodie and what it looks like i got a text message from a friend one day that said hey, it looks like all the printed threads people are at this place to eat today. It looks like Warp Tour in there, you know? And it's true. <laughs> like, we're all rock band guys, you know? And so, like, we love, for whatever reason, we wear black shirts and black pants all the time. I can't explain it. <laughs> it looks like a uniform, but it's totally unintentional. And so, like, we just wear that brand. I think everybody's really proud of it. You know, it gets people excited. We've got these core values that are uh, driven by the craft, passion for progress, product at the right time, and be thoughtful. And we plaster those everywhere, right? You know, you, you see driven by the craft all over our shop because that's who we are. And, and that's, you know, what we can relate to. Like everybody here loves what they do. And so that in that way, they're driven by the craft. And I don't know, I just think that if you can make a place look cool, it feels good too, you know? It's like walking to your house at the end of the day and it's really messy, it kind of stresses you out a little bit, right? But if you can walk into a place that looks really cool, you're like, man, this feels good to me, I like working here. For sure, that's awesome, very cool. It's awesome just seeing how far you push it. I mean, that's one thing that I want to do more of. I feel like we're just getting started, but just everywhere and, you know, it's like your jersey, right? It's like, you know, basketball player's not gonna go on the court without his jersey and. You yeah. guys seem to emulate the same thing. Yeah, it makes that team atmosphere. It makes it a family. And that, that's really important to us. You know, we do a lot of family activities. Once a month, we go out to lunch together to kind of celebrate everybody's birthdays. Uh, once a quarter, we go out and have a fun activity. Uh, like the night after the ISS show, we all went through axes <laughs> at wooden targets. Or we'll go play whirly ball, which is basically playing lacrosse and bumper cars and so we go do fun activities together where we all get together and it doesn't matter if you're a press operator or the art department or the owner of the company, we're all in it together like as a team. And, and I think that makes it feel really good. You know, you want to be able to work at a place where everybody really appreciates each other. For sure. That's awesome, Brett. Well, you actually just already covered my last one, which is team. <laughs> but <laughs> that's great. I mean, I think this is all so helpful. You know, just being able to take kind of the non-tangibles. I, I think sometimes we focus too much on just numbers and and pushing things forward and growth, but taking those non-tangibles and really creating a quality company that you want to be around for a long time that you want people to work for. Ryan actually shared this really cool video about, it was a guy who ran HR for LinkedIn for a while. Basically was talking about how people are just your biggest investment, right? But we don't always treat it as such, right? You yeah. spend so much time finding people and then hiring them and training them and then some leave and then... Yeah. You know, but we don't spend nearly enough time on that versus just the quick wins, quick win, quick win. But that's awesome to see that you guys are really focused on that. I love being there and seeing that with the branding. Actually, a lot of the guys from Printavo there brought their shirts home and they were wearing them out <laughs> uh, when we went out to the bars and stuff afterwards. So 
Very cool and really great takeaways, Brett. Is there some sort of blog that you read a lot or book that you're reading that has a really good kind of mindset you're trying to learn from? Yeah, man. Um, like I said, I've been listening to all those NPR, uh, How I Built This Podcast. Those are really cool and really special because it's very humanizing. You realize that everybody kind of gone through the same struggles as you, which, you know, there's a saying, it's all, it's really lonely at the top. So if you're the CEO or the owner of a company, you know, you can't really share your struggles with your employees. And sometimes you feel like you can't share them with maybe your spouse because you don't want everybody around you to be scared. And so you keep it all in. But learning uh, from other people that they have kind of, they're going through the, the same struggles as you are is, is I think really, cool, you know, important. The book that I am re- are listening to right now, because I'm terrible at reading, just about finished reading a book called The Culture Code, okay. which is a lot about what we were just talking about, but basically how Culture is so important. Actually, if you've listened to, um, I listened to last night, the How I Built This with, um, oh, what's his name? The dude that started Zappos. And, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. He's one of those guys that's really big in the culture arena. My favorite book of all time and will probably always be my favorite book I read last year when I was, it's like a year and a half ago, I was going through a really hard time where we had to lay off a bunch of people because sales were bad. And I, I read the book Shoe Dog, which is the, uh, it was written by the owner of Nike, Bill Knight. And that is probably the most humanizing book ever. I mean, he's talking about all the struggles that Nike had. You can't even imagine Nike not existing now. But there were a lot of times in the 80s where they nearly didn't exist. So um, kind of reading about other entrepreneurs I think is really, really good. You know, what you learn from most of those is that persistence is the key. You know, (laughs) like we're all going to struggle with things. But, man, have really smart people around you. Have really encouraging people around you. Um, have very creative people around you. You'll you'll do great things. Listening, being humble, so much that you can learn from people that have never even done the things that you think that you've done. You know, like I teach all these classes to small print shops, and someone will be like, "Why don't you do this?" And I'll be like, "I don't know. It's a really good idea." You know, it's <laughs> like, always be open minded to people's ideas. Everyone around you, and I definitely recommend that if you're a business owner, you get involved in some sort of business group. Or at least go grab beers with other business owners on a regular basis because uh, it's almost like you were uh, like going to a counselor or something like that. You can kind of lament about all the hard things and they're like, yeah, man, we're right there with you. And, and sometimes it feels like you're all alone on an island. So it's, I think it's really important to be around those types of people. For sure. That's awesome, Brett. Well, I really appreciate your time. This has been incredible. I think it's going to help a lot of people too. So thank you so much for your time. Truly yeah, appreciate man, thanks it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. We'll see you in Vegas. Yes, we'll do. All right, man. Bye, Brett. Bye.